Hello, Masters in the Making. I'm your host, Mike Miller, and I want to welcome you to Simple Self Mastery. Simple Self Mastery is a self-help podcast dedicated to giving you the best in health, wealth, love, happiness, and a little peace of mind every single week. I'm excited and honored to welcome our guest today, Dr. Jessica Higgins. Dr. Jessica Higgins is a psychologist and relationship coach who helps people acquire the insight, learning, and practice to navigate the terrain of intimacy more effectively. She created a Connected Couple, which is a comprehensive transformational relationship program and is the host of the Empowered Relationship Podcast, which inspires, motivates, and guides people into more evolved ways of loving. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. And before we move on, is there anything you want to add to spice up that intro? Hmm. Well, I just will say that I talk about this on my podcast that I am a practicer of all the things that I talk about, the principles, tools, and tips. It is oftentimes surprising what we're confronted with, with relationship and intimacy. And so I just share with people that I'm in this journey, on this journey, along with everyone else, despite we're in different places and the experience of it is often unique, but the principles and what we're encountering are often similar. So I practice what I preach is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I love that because it makes things so much more relatable when you actually you know, practice and put into into work what you're teaching and, and learning. And that's so empowering. And, you know, Jessica, for you, where focus goes, energy flows, where is your energy going right now in the work that you do? Yeah, well, currently, I am working on offering an experience to go deeper with some of these principles. So just to give you a little backstory. Yeah. So I am a traditional psychologist. I have my psychologist licensure. I've been in the field of psychology for, you know, I did my undergrad and my master's and it's all been in the helping profession in the way of psychology. And my dissertation was on conscious intimate relationship. And I can talk more about that later. But what I found in a traditional private practice, when people come in for help with their marriage or the struggles are in enduring in relationship, oftentimes they're coming in 20 years down the road, seven years down the road, or in their last ditch effort. Now, I do believe that consciousness is shifting and that we're a little bit more proactive. And I, I love seeing people want to invest on the front end. So I do think that's changing. But traditionally, people come in as their last ditch effort. Okay, so basically, it's like somebody breaking their arm and going to a medical doctor and saying, seven years ago, I broke my arm. Can you help me fix it? And they would say, sure. And if you had come in sooner, I would have been able to help you that much more. And so really it lended to more of a coaching model. And so in 2014, I started the podcast. I really packaged the Connected Couple program, which really gives people from beginning to end all the fundamentals all the, the map on how to cultivate relationship in a really mindful, intentional way. It's a lot of curriculum and it's a big ask for people to engage. It's 12 modules. It, it's a lot of material. And so I have people that I coach directly and then I have my podcast, which is a free educational service as similar to what you're doing and helping people get, get exposed to these principles. And then I have the program, which some people have really enjoyed, but there's really little um, in the way of helping people dive deep with one part. And so I'm working on helping people have 
a little bit more of a digestible, small piece that they can engage in and do a piece of work. And so um, I'm excited to offer people. It's in the way of criticism. A lot of people have reached out to me. I have a couple articles and podcasts about dealing with criticism and relationship. And so it's really targeted towards that. And I think that if people have specific things to help them with certain areas of pain, that that would be a good starting place. So I, I'm kind of doing this the long way as far as a business aspect and helping serve people, but um, finding my way, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it sounds like you have a lot going on there. A lot of great work that you're pursuing right now and so you know that something you brought up which i thought was awesome was just starting points and how a lot of times people come in when it's maybe not too late but like they're they're deep into it and so for people listening right now who may just be starting their intimate journey with their partner or just getting involved in relationship you know what's some tips that they might uh benefit from to moving forward Okay, great. Love that question. Well, there's a really good teaching tool that I like to uh, offer people. And I have a relationship map that breaks this down that's free. If you want to give it to your listeners, I'm happy to give you a link for that. Um, but it's basically the developmental process of relationship. And I'll just focus on the first first two stages and that every couple goes through these stages. And why I think it's a really good teaching tool is most of the time, what we see in the media, what we hear our friends talking about, what we tend to glamorize in the sense of relationship is finding the person and then partnering, right? Getting married. It's, there's a lot of energy around the beauty and the excitement and the glory of all of that. And what traditionally happens, and again, this is uh, researched and um, really studied extensively, is that we go through stages. So the first stage is the romance stage, and that's really designed to partner, to bond. And our neurochemistry is really supportive of this, right? If we look sure. at the evolutionary process, we are designed to mate and bear offspring and then mm -hmm. be able to kind of have a family to raise the, the young. So our neurochemistry supports that. So we get these hits of dopamine and all of these oxy oxytocin and all these beautiful, yummy neurochemicals to support that bonding and that high. So that typically lasts, I'd say 18 months. It can be shortened by something that happens when my husband and I started dating, his father died about six months into the relationship. And that absolutely put a damper on our excitement, right? He's grieving sure. and it's intense. And so that changes the experience of the romance. So not everybody's going to have this full duration of that first stage. So if there's something comes up that's hard, it might put a wrench in that. But the second stage is what people often don't know about, which I get so excited talking about because it's really a big hurdle. And most of the time when we're confronted with that power struggle, and I'll describe what it looks like, is basically who we imagined our partner to be in the romance stage, which is, okay, so you're dating someone and you don't know them all that well in the sense of how do they deal with anger? How do they deal with grief? How do they deal with disappointment and loss and upset? And, you know, we haven't really seen them in all the different shades of life. We just don't have that experience yet. And so we fill in the blank and mm -hmm. we project. That's a psychological term, meaning we fill in the blank about who we imagine them to be. And we're often putting our best foot forward. Obviously, I said it's fueled by the neurochemicals. So there's this, it's like honeymoon. 
period. And so we are often super, super surprised when all of that settles, we get into normal life and we recognize there's differences. Now, those differences do not have to be problematic or irreconcilable, but they aren't likely to change. Okay, so there's a couple things happening here. So when we experience a difference, and this could be anything from you have somebody who's extroverted, you have someone who's introverted, you have the person that's on time, you have the person that's late, you have the planner, you have the more spontaneous one, you have all these different stylistic Things. Then you add a culture, even in the United States, I've had West Coasters really define things differently than uh, East Coaster around how they socialize with others. Perhaps one's a little more gregarious and open and the other one would be like, oh my God, I'd be hitting on everyone if I was doing that. <laughs> and so there's just these differences that people start to look at each other and they're like, wow. Or when there's an argument, One walks away and the other one's like, no, let's stick it out. And there's different meaning makings based on not only culture, but family upbringing. And so we're in a position where we have to contend with trying to understand each other. But most of us don't have those communication skills in the heat of the moment when we're feeling threatened and triggered to be able to not look at it from a blame or shame or um, a lot of judgment. And so I know I'm saying a lot, but I'll just kind of finish real quick here. So when we're confronted with a difference, oftentimes we experience that as a threat because we interpret it in a certain way. You're walking away. That means you're rejecting me. You're not, you're done. You're not in this anymore. And I feel extremely threatened where that person maybe was brought up in a dynamic in their family that we walk away when we're about to say something that's not kind and we're protecting the relationship. And so when we're confronted with these differences, we feel the charge of uh, reactivity and we fill in the blank because we're just, we, again, we're not, we don't have the skill set to actually flush that out, slow that down. Well, what is it that you're doing when you walk away and tell me more about that. We think we know. And so we're living from our own little egocentric world and we interpret, and this is all really normal. Been there, done that. And I practice these things, as I said. So what I am encouraging people to recognize in the power struggle stage that your partner's going to look different or they're going to do something or say something or act in ways that might surprise you, might disappoint you, or might even alarm you. And then that's where the other thing that there's a ton of stuff that gets activated psychologically in the power struggle stage. And that's like attachment. If we've ever had experiences that have been threatening to our sense of bond and relationship, I'm not going to do a whole teaching piece on that right now, but that gets all activated. And this is where people get into really vicious cycles where essentially I'll just distill it to this, that they are hurting like the person that, observe their partner walk away and they're interpreting it as they're leaving and they're hurting. But most people don't have, again, the practice and the modeling and the skill set to be able to raise their hand and say, my feelings are hurt. When you walked away, I was scared that you were done. Most people will yell or like, name call or mm-hmm. you know react in some way and they're protesting they're trying to get their partner's attention and what happens is they're thinking if i'm loud enough if i'm dramatic enough you'll recognize that i'm hurting and you'll attend to my hurt which 
as I'm saying it now, as we're thinking about the scenario, probably seems silly because the person that's feeling attacked is likely going to get defensive, is likely going to feel hurt in, 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 res- in respect to the attack. And then it's a distraction. They're not even recognizing that she's hurt. Or in this case, the person that left me, that I'm hurt. And so this is, you know, just in the, to span back to the stages is to recognize this is normal. Not so much the attachment stuff that we're supposed to feel threatened and react, but that's common. Uh, But that when we're seeing something that's different than we would have expected in our partner, that that's actually curriculum Hmm. for developing our relationship. Now, statistically, I'd say 80%, I would hope less now, is getting stuck in this stage. So this could look like a marriage that 20, 30 years, they've decided we don't go certain places. So when something pops up, we just turn away and we've gotten comfortable and we just, there's certain areas we don't go. And so, but it it limits the passion. It limits the expansion of developing their intimacy, but they're comfortable and they're, you know, in some respects, stable and happy, but they're kind of feeling maybe a sense of dullness and that there could be a lot more that they could feel together. And it's limiting their authenticity. It could also look like a couple that's viciously fighting for two years, three years, and they they love each other. There's a tremendous amount of chemistry and they're like, we see a future together, but we do not know how to get past this. Maybe you're not the one, maybe something's wrong with you or maybe something's wrong with me. And then they will do that for a period of time and then they'll basically call it and either separate, get a divorce or break up. And so statistically people don't get past this stage. Either they get stuck in kind of cycles that they somehow are okay with, or they end up breaking up or coming into therapy. And again, traditionally people come in a little too late and they've lost hope. They've lost motivation and effort. That's why I'm like, people can learn some of this stuff sooner than they can have a little more energy to devote towards overcoming the obstacle. So that's the the piece that I feel like I'm so excited to share with people that Intimacy, we get a lot of notions around, oh, you find the one happily ever after. If it's a good relationship, it's supposed to be easy. And yes, there's some truth to that, but there's also things that will challenge us if we don't have the skill set and will ask us to grow individually, but also allow our relationship to grow. Right. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for sharing that because it's it's an important uh, kind of thing to keep in mind going forward and I think a lot of people tend to um, romanticize that and uh, I know when I talk to my friends they bring up like oh when they're dating someone new it's like oh I'm in the honeymoon stage now like we'll see what happens and it's really just about like you said just kind of going forward with being prepared in that sense of of that Um, and so something you mentioned earlier on when we were chatting was the idea of a conscious intimate relationship and we, we've, we've brought up the, the um, topic of intimacy quite a bit so far, but what does that exactly mean? What do you mean when you say that? Right. Okay. So that's a great question. So oftentimes it's really a psychological term and it really, if I could use a more lay term, it's more about awareness. Okay. So some of these things for, for myself, an example. So I had a stepfather who was extremely, my biological dad died when I was a couple months old and then my mom remarried and had a stepfather and he was so critical. And as a little one, I couldn't understand what he was critical about. I mean, why he was critical and it was all of his stuff, but I just experienced the 
kind of intensity of feeling criticized. And so, you know, I developed, I grew and yada, yada. And I didn't, th- didn't think a lot about it, but it had an imprint on me. And so in one of my relationships prior to meeting my husband, I experienced a really beautiful, thought he was the one and he was so extremely critical. And so Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt talk a lot about this. There's a lot of really great people too, like Gay and Katie Hendricks, and they have the Institute um, Conscious Intimate, or was it the, I'm forgetting what their institute is, but you can look them up. Um, So there's a lot of people in the field of psychology that talk about, we will often unconsciously attract something familiar. And so whether or not that's a trait in our significant other. So if we're attracted to someone in dating, oftentimes there's either a dynamic or a characteristic that's familiar to us in our upbringing. Whether or not it's the way in which we relate reminds me of when I was little or the way that he demonstrates reminds me of something. So we unconsciously, so this is unaware and there's often a wound associated to it that will try to heal it. And so this is all happening below the field of awareness. And so when we're consciously trying to be aware and mindful, it means that we are trying to look at these things. We're trying to do our work. We're trying to look at, okay, what's going on in our dynamics? Can we be aware of what all is getting activated in you and me, whether or not it's even just as simple as I have certain social norms that I expect. Now, we don't walk around aware of that, like, oh, I actually shake somebody's hand instead of hugging them, right? We don't consciously think about that. Our brain is trying to be efficient and we're not gonna have all of that in our conscious mind. So when it could be as simple as the cultural meaning makings, it could be anything. A lot of this is happening unconsciously. And so when we're trying to be conscious, we're looking at what all is here and is it still useful? Is there another way to do it? And if we're trying to evolve, then we're trying to be mindful and skillful and and aware about how we're doing that. Awesome. Yeah, I love the idea of evolving past the kind of unconscious traits that we picked up and learned along our journeys. And so, uh, Jessica, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. We're we're actually approaching home plate where we're going to share some more value because you've already shared a ton but are you ready for what I like to call the moment of mastery where you can share tips, resources, and insights directly to our listeners? Yes. Let's do it. What is one daily habit that contributes to your personal success? Hmm. Well, for me, it's going to yoga. And what that does for me is it allows me to get into my body. It allows me to become more aware of what I'm experiencing and really, truly just breathe. And so if I were to recommend to anyone, yoga might not be everybody's thing, but if there's something that helps you touch in to your inner being and just do a little bit of like a, a temperature read and just, you know, connecting and also looking at what's going on. It's just a great way to not be so externally focused and be so ahead of yourself that you lose touch. And I think that that's one of the things I really recommend in any sphere, really, is being connected to yourself in a way. And do you do any specific kind of yoga? 
Um, I actually go to core power yoga and I, I mean, some people who are really spiritual yogis would be like, well, that's not real (laughs) yoga. But what I like is that it offers so many classes, so many different teachers. So, uh, in one studio there's, uh, it's a Bikram style. They call it hot yoga and there's different vinyasa flow levels as far as the strength. And they also have sculpt, which is with weights. And then they have a restore yoga. So I try to hit up a combination, but I mostly love the vinyasa flow. Ooh, that's super cool. And when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? How do you approach that? Mm-hmm. I, I battle with that. Truthfully, I, I, I love to think about lots of different ideas. And um, so I think that it's just, again, if I can do my self-care practice, whether or not that's getting good sleep and eating and doing my yoga um, it and play. I do a lot of beach volleyball and I love, you know, just being playful. And I think that that helps, gives me, helps give me perspective and getting into nature. So I think it's taking a step back and really just getting acquainted with the things that really matter that I can recognize that maybe I'm putting too much, like taking it too seriously or it's gotten a little amplified. Right. Absolutely. No, I think we all take ourselves a little too seriously sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I know I do. I do. Uh, I do. um, And so what is one simple action our listeners can take right now, wherever they are to jumpstart their own success in relationships? I, I think I would say honor your experience because so often I think we try to will ourselves into something we think is the right way. And again, the idea of a conscious relationship is what truly is there. And oftentimes what is there is more beautiful than what you're trying to be. And even though it may not look pretty or might not be the thing you're super proud of, that that's the thing that actually allows for real genuine connection. Awesome. And what is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why, or what are one to three books that have greatly impacted your life? Hmm. I often recommend uh, Hold Me Tight by Susan Johnson to clients. And this has to do with the attachment work. She's devoted her life's work to studying uh, this working model, how it shows up in a relationship and what people are confronted with. Um, if you're dating, uh, cause that's more for if you're in relationship, if you're dating, there's a book called attached and I don't have it in front of me and I don't, I, um, reference that less cause people often come to me when they're in relationship. But if you Google attached, you're likely to see that. Um, and Let's see, the books that have, I'm a big fan of David Schnarch, and he gets less recognition in the field of couples work, but he's had a huge impact on me. And his latest, I think, is Intimacy and Desire. And it's really how to untether from some of the codependent. And it's not, he doesn't use the word codependent, but it's how we tend to people please or seek validation in relationship. And that, you know, that's one of the primary reasons we're in relationship is to have those feel good uh, connection and, you know, feel good and get positive affirmation. But if we're kind of compromising our preferences, our wishes, and have the tendency to like put a lot of stock into what your partner says that I think his work is phenomenal. Um, and I, I also conscious loving it's, it was written several years ago. Um, it's an older book, but in the way of what you're talking about, as far as unawareness, they, 
I think do such a great job in helping people speak the, they call it microscopic truth and really use the body as a source to access our experience. And I think it's a great tool as far as relationship and really being authentic. That's awesome. Yeah. We're going to take those recommendations and we're going to put them in the show notes page of today's episode for links and all that other fun stuff. And Jessica, what advice would you give to a smart, driven college student about to enter the real world? Hmm. Well, I think the thing that comes up for me first is trust yourself. Uh, so often, I mean, we're living in this world of like information overload and, uh, and it's easy to get lost in what the right thing is or what we think we should be. And there's a unique expression in you. And if you can trust that and yeah, you're going to want to groom that, grow that, learn that. Uh, but if you follow your inner desire or your inner passion. And I know we get a lot of prompting and encouragement, follow your bliss, follow your passion, passion. I don't necessarily mean that. I mean, more trust that you actually have something valuable to offer. And I think we lose sight of that and to just kind of hold some, some value around trusting that you have value. I love it. Yeah. That's so incredible. Yeah. Trust yourself. And finally, Jessica, where is the best place our listeners can go to learn more about you and what you do? Hmm. Well, I would suggest uh, my website, drjessicahiggins.com, and then also the podcast, which can be accessed on that website or on any of the podcast players, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. So Empowered Relationship is basically just a free resource, lots of relationship tools, tips, practices. And then if you're wanting to read more articles and learn more about what I'm offering, uh, com, And that's doctor with a DR. Awesome. Masters in the making. Go check out Jessica's work and go check out her podcast. Also go to simplesoftmastery.com. Type in Jessica's name in the search. It'll show you over to the show notes page today's podcast for links, resources, timestamps, and an overview of what Jessica and I discussed today. Jessica, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with all of us here at Simple Self Mastery. You mastered the mic and shared a ton of value. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode of Simple Self Mastery, please show your support by subscribing, leave a five-star rating, and a review. It is my honor and privilege to provide you with high-value, free content five days a week and I'd be humbled by your support. Keep learning, keep listening, and keep working towards your own personal self-mastery. Thanks, and we'll catch you later.